In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you were going to make a living in ancient Israel, you could certainly do worse than being a fisherman. The Sea of Galilee in particular was one of the best places to build a thriving business. The fish were plentiful, offering one a chance at the booming local markets. If you wanted to maximize your efficiency, you would have used the best in fishing technology at the time, a specially designed net, uh, intricately woven, designed to cut down on the tedium of pulling fish out one by one. But because this was more labor-intensive, you would hire assistant fishermen. On your boat, you would join up with other fishermen and go out as a co-op onto the Sea of Galilee. With more staff, though, you would eventually have to come to conduct your operation under an elaborate system of local customs, of profit-sharing, and this was all designed to attract the best laborers to your business, to maximize your potential gain. Having done all of this, your fishing business on the Sea of Galilee would be something worthy of pride and afford you a highly plausible expectation of success. You'd be doing everything right, everything in your ability to do your business well. In short, you would be St. Peter at the moment we meet him in our Gospel lesson. Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. When Peter says these words to Jesus, we have to hear the dejection in his voice. Despite the scope and sophistication of the fishing operation, things had not gone as planned. Even though he had done everything right, he and his crew now stood on the shore empty-handed. But his disappointment goes deeper. The word he uses to describe his crew's work from the previous night is not the typical word for work, as in doing one's job. The word he uses in response to Jesus implies a pointlessness to the work. Work that is, in his mind, tedious, menial, fruitless, without purpose, and without fulfillment. It has yielded nothing to show, nothing to justify the effort. Toiling is the word he uses. Toiling was a word that would have been notably present in the, in the day in the readings of the synagogue, particularly when you were reading out of writings coming from Israel's exile in Babylon and the long wait to return from exile. To toil meant to come to the limits of your optimism, to come to the limits of thinking that your efforts were meaningful or that they would ever become fruitful. In short, toiling meant work for a person who had come to the edge of hope, to the limits of hope. So when Jesus asks Peter to go out onto the water once more, Peter responds as a man for whom frustration has begun to chip away at his resolve, for whom doubt has begun to pull at the threads of his confidence. He's a man who's on the very edge of his ability to hope. And it is at this moment that Peter becomes a disciple Jesus. Master, we have toiled all the night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, 
At thy word, I will let down the net. St. Peter's obedience in his frustration, in his near despair, in his perplexity, reminds us that there can be a tremendous value in a healthy lack of confidence in the works of our own hands. One of the besetting temptations we face is to think that if I work a few more hours, or if I meet that quarterly or yearly goal, then I'll have done something truly significant, and I will have arrived. I'll be validated. But in resting our hope in work, the work of our hands, the work with limits, this toiling that Peter talks about, this makes for us a false hope, a false paradise. Ironically, we end up making our work into something that can never satisfy or bestow contentment. And so, when we find ourselves in that moment, we have to come back to a proper sense of what it means to work altogether. And so we go back to the beginning. The first example of work we get in the scriptures is that of God, making the heavens and the earth. Genesis begins with the image of formlessness and void, of emptiness and lifelessness, of disordered and lifeless waters. Out of this, God speaks the word and makes a cosmos, an order, and things to live in it. Among these things that God makes, God makes human beings as his images, his icons, creatures that resemble him. And to these creatures, he gives work to do, work that gives them nobility, Work that gives them honor and dignity and sets them over the world and makes them more and more like himself the more and more they do this work. And then having done all this, God takes his place in the first Sabbath rest as a sign of blessing and admiration for all the things he has made, all the work that he has done. When God brings humanity into this blessing at the end, all work becomes transformed into the place where God's life is known, and where God's life is shared. Work can become something like liturgy, through which we experience the life-giving blessing of God. From the very beginning, we see that work is a good thing, a way in which we can become more like the God who made us. In doing the work that God sets forth, we become those who cultivate and who arrange the things of this world as a way of imitating, of mimicking the order that God made, the life-giving work of God. In so doing, we take the things of this world and we make them places where we then invite God to dwell. This was our original purpose, but after the fall of humanity, work became something else entirely. Rather than a dignified and life-giving work, rather than a creative and paradise-making work. We use that capacity for creativity, the one that God gave us, and we made places for ourselves to sit in as our own gods. Our work, once that happened, became something done in futility, something filled with vanity. It became toil. But like St. Peter... It is sometimes at the limits of our toiling that Christ meets us with a call to follow him. When Christ gets into Peter's boat and tells him to go back out onto the lifeless waters once more, what do we see? We see in the Gospels what the Son of God did before the beginning of all things. Where there was nothing, God brought forth 
abundance. Peter doesn't miss this connection. In fact, it terrifies him that someone acting as God is sitting in a boat with him. But then, something surprising happens. Jesus remakes Peter. He calms Peter's fears and shows him the true purpose of his life, the real end for which he had been working, even though Peter had not realized it. In doing this, Christ redeems Peter's toil and reorients it within the landscape of his own work. Where Peter's work had become toil, Christ restores him to dignity and to vocation and to calling. The miracle of the fish is but the sign that Christ has indeed come to redeem work and to make it an activity once more through which God comes to dwell among his people. In Christ, our work can once again rise above toil and arrive at rest. The work of our weeks no longer merely ends, but rather it is elevated into the consummation of the Lord's day. We offer ourselves in the work of our hands, and in turn we come to know the peace of God. When we work in Christ, we are blessed, and we are renewed as the children of God. And our work becomes a way that we can know in part, right now, the life of that world which is yet to come. Labor, when properly seen, gives way at last to liturgy. Master, we have toiled all the night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.